Hello, horror fanatics, dungeon crawlers, and tabletop players, and welcome to the GTS Gaming Crew pod- Podcast. I'm Michael, joined with my epic co-hosts, John and Maverick. Hey, everybody. Hey, guys, what's going on? And to our new listeners, what's your favorite Final Fantasy memory? Let us know on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. We got an awesome episode full of news and discussions for you today. So grab a Stars vest and a DualShock controller and turn us up. Some of our news and discussions this episode are the new DualSense controller, Gears Tactics and What's That About, and this horror game genre rising with multiplayer. So let's jump in. Some of them are follow-ups and news. Really quick, we're missing a co-host, right? That's true. Okay, so Chrissy is not joining us this week. She is studying for school, but she'll be back next week. Cool. Education is important. Never let anyone tell you otherwise. So jumping into follow-up and news, now that we have the situation here and we've been briefed by uh, Michael. Thank you, Michael. I want to jump in really quick with, I guess, one of the bigger news of the week, which I think was the DualSense controller. Yeah. So just initial reactions, like when you first saw the thing, we'll start with John. How did you feel about it, John? Okay, so I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think that they took I think that they took the design for the Xbox controller and they turned it into a PS3 controller, a PS4 5 controller and they're just putting instead of a stick layout it's actually like the DualShock and also I find that I guess you can take contouring to the hand cuz it looks comfortable to hold uh-huh. and in I like the all together like the sleek design of it and I don't know I was actually really impressed with it because I played every system there is out there I've tried every controller but I've always felt more comfortable with like the way the Xbox controllers were, uh, the controllers felt. And I think that that was more, uh, that design's more suitable for gaming because the button and trigger layouts, I guess you can say. Uh-huh. And I actually like that they went with something like that for the PlayStation. So that way the PlayStation users can actually have a more comfortable controller to hold, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. We're all different. So we're all going to experience something different when we look at this controller and when we actually hold it as well. Because like what you're saying, where you feel like the Xbox controller is the most comfortable controller, where I feel PlayStation controllers have been more comfortable. And that's what I want. Like we always want a different perspective, something new, like a new way to look at a product. Um, And I think you, you did a great job describing how, I guess, an Xbox player a primary Xbox player would look at this controller, look at the PS5 controller that got released. What about you, Michael? I like the two-tone. It's different, but I like it. As for the um, the buttons on the, the triangle circle, how they took away the color and it's now just like a, it's a light gray. That's pretty interesting as well. This makes me wonder if the two-tone color is also going to um, transfer over to the console itself, if it's going to be two-tone, and if the primary color of it is going to be white. I like that they took away, how, well, not took away, but changed the home button to where it's now the actual outline of the PlayStation symbol. Oh, yeah. That's pretty cool, too. What I'm kind of iffy about is how now every controller is going to have a headset, or well, every controller is going to be a headset itself, where every he- controller is going to have a built-in mic, and like you can never give that excuse to someone who's like, ah, oh, I don't got a mic. If you just don't feel like talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so now, now like, what what excuse are you to use? Like, uh, my controller doesn't have that feature. <laughs> you can on it. You can be honest. Be like, look, I don't like talking to people. So don't talk to me. <laughs> I like to communicate with a, with a, with a series of grunts and whistles. <laughs> 
um, the lighting on the side, I really like that. How it, instead of it just being a solid bar, how it is on the dual shocks on the PS4, they added on the sides. It looks a lot better, especially for recognition. Like I guess if you're gonna take damage in a game, or if you've been caught by an enemy, how it usually like flashes red or green. It looks a lot better like that. You know what also comes to mind though with the with the color scheme that they actually brought, um, that they actually chose. I don't know. It could just be coincidence. Maybe not because someone who's colorblind, not me, but like um, anyone who's colorblind has trouble seeing, like uh, for the most part, they have trouble seeing red, green, blue, or a mixture of these colors. And that was what the color of the PlayStation like things were, the the button layouts, uh-huh. like uh, the shapes and everything were blue, red, blue, red, green. And I forgot what the other one was, but maybe they decided to go to this. For re- I doubt it, but maybe, like I said, maybe it was just coincidence, maybe. It's red, pink, I think, or magenta, blue, and green. Yeah. Feature-wise, and this is something that I did go into detail into uh, in the DTS Reacts video that I put up on Drop the Spotlight's uh, YouTube channel, mm-hmm. that is recently I've been trying to, I guess, get myself more immersed into games because, as, you know, since you all convinced me to play um, The Last of Us, I, I like I like the feeling of being immersed in in the video game where I felt like I was actually in a survival horror scenario. And so when I picked up the PS4 to try to just get back into the groove of things, because, you know, making the jump from PS3 to PS4 is a big difference, like in sensitivity with the controllers. And I plugged my headphones into the controller and I would hear this audio pop. And apparently I'm not the only one because I had to go online to see what I can do to try to fix that. And this is something that I remember as well when they did the reveal for the like the specs of the the console. Mm-hmm. That they specifically mentioned how they're upgrading that stuff as well. So it, it won't have... I, I'm hoping that it won't have any of those audio issues because I feel like it loses a lot, man. Like I'm putting my headphones on. Just to try to get myself immersed in the game and I hear this pop and this crackle and it's like it pulls me out of the experience. So I'm hoping, I'm really hoping that they're going to keep to their word and that, that they really upgraded the audio in this controller to kind of help yeah. you with the whole immersion of it. I hope so with that too. Like DualShock was a big awe movement whenever I think was the second phase of the PlayStation going into the PlayStation 2, uh-huh. right? And then PlayStation 3, that introduced 6-axis, which 6-axis was like, oh, man, that's pretty cool. How you can move the controller to move something. I'm really hoping that DualSense is like this full circle of all that in one, bringing back the DualShock, but in a new way of this new sort of vibrations and feels of how your game can touch you, as it says. Yeah, definitely, man. And the other bit of news that I got is going to be brief because I'm sure not a lot of people know about this game and not a lot of people have probably played this game, but it does have a following and I'm a part of that following. And we actually played that game in John's birthday. Remember that, John? Oh, yeah. Darkest Dungeon. The reason it's in our follow-ups and news sections for today It's because apparently Darkest Dungeon is getting a PvP mode. If you don't know what Darkest Dungeon is, it's a dungeon crawling game set in, I guess, a fantasy world where secret... I mean, I I don't want to spoil the whole thing for you, but let's just say there's a cosmic horror involved that is making things go crazy. 
I'll leave it at that. What made this game pretty special is that it has close to like 15 to 20 classes. Each one is very unique. Each one is so unique, in fact, like I this game has a lot of replayability, even though it has a lot of generic things. Um, so like the characters don't have names. You have to name them. It's a, it has a permadeath system. So you can't really get too attached to your characters, right? So it's a, it's a pretty quirky game. You run uh, parties of four into dungeons to loot the dungeons, kill the monsters as you're hired to do. You know, you hire these mercenaries to go do that. And the classes are just so crazy and far out there that the fact that it's getting a PvP mode has me interested because I'm always interested to see what crazy combination teams that you can come up with because they have so many classes. So I'm certainly looking forward to this PvP mode and I'm definitely going to download it. And because unfortunately I have it downloaded on PS4 and not on PC, I'll probably have to wait for it to come out on PS4 before PC. Unless this game, unless the PvP mode looks good enough for me to buy on PC, then I'll consider it. Um, John, so like, like I had mentioned that you played this game a few weeks back. What were your takeaway from that game? takeaway from it was that because me i'm a huge fan of cosmic horror so when you told me that it it was uh, that it was a cosmic horror game i was like yes i'm in <laughs> and uh also that i'm a that i i love rpg games and that from what you're like from what you told me you know like you're going into these dungeons clearing out everything and you have to worry about your hunger you have to worry about your sanity the light so my takeaway from this was that it was actually really fun it, it's like you said it's it's been done before it's it's generic but not to the point where it's like eh, i played all those games it felt the same it it feels the same no not like that at all it was awesome the the soundtrack the i think the thing that also got me too was the art style oh it yeah. looks and drawn that's what like, drew me in amazing. first yeah and i think that's kind of part of what we're doing you know we're trying to help you find like if you can't find a, a game that you're interested in playing, we always like to give recommendations. Like like I mentioned, if you like cosmic horror, like when I saw this game and I knew that John liked cosmic horror, I was like, uh, John, you got to play this game, you know. And we're doing the same to you. So if this is something that sounds appealing to you, I say give Darkest Dungeon a shot. Michael, you were just a spectator, but like what did you take away from the game? It looked very unforgiving whenever you started crawling dungeons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but with that, I mean, it looked really fun, too. Like, you have to plan ahead and expect the unexpected, which was really cool. I like that. It's available for Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo, Steam, and apparently PlayStation Vita as well. Yeah, that's right. I forgot it was available on the Switch already. Man, that Switch is making gains, huh? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It's pumping them out like crazy. Cool. Who would like to go next? I will go next. So following our Resident Evil talk, there is already rumors of Resident Evil 8, of what might be leaked details of the next Resident Evil. Or it might not be the next Resident Evil, but of an upcoming Resident Evil. And right now it's titled Resident Evil Village, where you'll be playing as Chris Redfield and you'll be going, uh, you'll be getting chased by a nemesis-like enemy as well. And that's about all we know, but further discussion into this in this article reads as Capcom's gamble might pay off big time, but if it doesn't, this could present us with the most disappointing entry in franchise history. Resident Evil Village is rumored to be the working title for the upcoming main installment in the series. New details from a fresh leak include a nemesis-like enemy, as well as a redesigned Chris Redfield, 
These rumor changes are big risks, so Capcom desperately needs them to pay off. The Resident Evil rumors continue to pour out on the spigot, providing us with the tantalizing details about the big departure Capcom plans to take and the franchise's next title. New information includes the game's alleged working title, which Biohazard Declassified reports will be Resident Evil 8 Village. This was from CCN by William Warwalk. So, right away, I'm going to be honest, I'm kind of getting burnt out of these big enemies that are coming into these horror games. Like, it was cool, and I understood it whenever it first started with Outlast, and, you know, Resident Evil's taking on it with Nemesis, as well as Mr. X. But after a while, it's like, you got to give us something more, or change it up a bit, if that's what's, what it's going to be again. You know, I can actually get behind that, because, I mean... From the the, I'm trying to stay away from a lot of videos that they show, and one of them, the most recent one I saw was a TikTok video where this guy, I guess the game had glitched for like a couple of seconds, and it shows Nemesis running behind this gate, and he's like, "Oh look, you can't get me!" and he shoots the Nemesis, and then he jumps, and he's like, "Oh, oh, oh where did he go? Where did he go?" And he starts running, <laughs> and then he's like, "I can't see him. Where did he go?" And then Nemesis like comes up out of nowhere and like just uh, gives him a haymaker. And it's like, whoa, you know, I didn't even see that. And uh, I understand, like, it's it's a good way to get scares. But I will say this, because Resident Evil 8, from what I've understood, it's they're trying to go into the direction of what 7 was, the first person. Oh, okay. Which really paid off, because it gave you that. Did, y'all, did any of y'all play Resident Evil 7? I played the first, I think, 40 minutes of it, and the scares were a bit more intense. Um I think it's your reporter friend. Whenever she's coming up from the attic, scared the no, not the attic, the basement, scared the crap out of me. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. His it's his yeah, it's his wife. And she comes in with a chainsaw, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um that's the, that was the whole thing of it, you know, like you don't know what's around the corner. Like you're literally like walking into this, like you hit the black like the the blackness of the area and you're just like going in. The light don't provide you with that much light at all. And then all of a sudden, it's like, boom, right here in your face. So I get it. But at the same time, yeah, like how you said, you want something different. And I hope Resident Evil doesn't go back to being an action series and not survival horror. Yeah. And, I mean, if this is what they're going to keep throwing out, like, because Chris Redfield is, is a trained officer compared to what Ethan was in Resident Evil 7. He was just a reporter. You know, me and you picking up a gun with very little to with no, no, with little to no, you know, background like with armed combat and stuff like that, you know, like that's what made it scary. But if they're throwing Chris in there, like of course they're gonna give Chris weapons and stuff like that. It's like it seems like it's gonna go into an action state, and I don't, yeah. I don't, I'm not really feeling that. Like, so I'm hoping they do do something different besides yeah. throwing a a, ch- a guy that just chases you all the time. Yeah, it sounds like a risky formula. I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to hate on Capcom because, you know, Resident Evil has always been one of my favorite series. You know, it's it's always been a staple in the series, like uh, in any horror game. I want them, I don't want them to fail because Capcom ha- makes amazing games. You know what I mean? Marvel vs. Capcom, Resident Evil, you know, they have a bunch of awesome games and I just don't want to see them fail. I yeah. get that. By trying to do something risky. Something, honestly, that like I think should be a for sure thing when it comes to, I guess you want to say, a horror cookbook game 
is take away third person because third person, it gives the viewer that kind of like cheat of like, I could peek around the corner and like before breaking away that scare before it actually happens. And when you go first person, it makes that like you don't know what's about to happen when you turn that corner or when you look this way. Right. Definitely. I, I agree. But also in other news, Smash Up, the card game, they have recently announced that they're teaming up with Marvel to make Smash Up Marvel. The article reads, the mightiest rivals meet us meet for battle this fall in the OP Smash Up Marvel. Hydra and the Ultimates introduced among eight factions to supercharge and shuffle building. Last year, Aldrak Entertainment Group, AEG, and USopoly, the OP, announced their freshly pinned partnership to bring official licenses to AEG's popular shuffle building game franchise smash up this year and beyond quickly garnering excitement on social media followers began anticipating the new year had in store for the ever-growing collections the op is thrilled to reveal the first license to welcome pop culture fans into the fold smash up marvel for hobby for hobbyists on the outside of this entertaining fusion of illustrated worlds smash up is a card game designed by paul peterson who also makes pokemon and magic the gathering that lets competitive archetype enthusiasts face off for visual territory using dream teams that uh, they pair up. These fictional armies called factions have compromised everything from campy characters from kaiju to disco dancers to relatable cliches, geeks, and rock stars. But players of the award-winning title can now celebrate having superheroes and villains of galactic proportions at their disposal. Smash Up will allow seasoned players and newcomers of all ages to join the limitless clashing with comic mainstays such as the villain, the vigilant members of the Ultimates and criminal masterminds Hydra and two of eight factions leading the charge. And on there, they got pictures of Captain Marvel already, Red Skull, and it looks it looks great. It looks like it's gonna be really fun. What do you remember about the game, either of you? Um, I remember I played as I think I was, I chose two factions. I was goblins and i think robots and i don't remember exactly how to play it i just remember overall having a good time from it i do remember that i like i remember like not thinking bad of the game i did have a good time playing it yeah same here i mean played so many games and unfortunately this is one of the games that i've only played once so i can't comment too much about it okay (laughs) okay go for it man okay well, as everyone knows, you know, with the with the whole COVID-19 uh, pandemic that's going around and the whole social distancing, Microsoft has actually decided to go digital uh, with all their conferences until July of 2021. So, yeah, <laughs> that there's that. And it's it's a, uh, I don't know how I feel about that. It's I confusing, mean, man. I'll tell you why. Like, I read an article online recently that this whole COVID-19 thing kick-started the online revolution a couple of years. That's true. I mean, I, I can get behind that because everything is digital now. At this point, I actually <coughs> excuse me, I actually stopped going to GameStop and just started buying all my games digitally. You know, it stopped getting ripped off. <laughs> but uh, You made the switch, John. I mean, Bravo. I, I just... It's it because me, I'm I'm a very social person. Uh-huh. I'm really out there. Uh, I'm I'm what do they call this? Extrovert. Extrovert. Right? Yes. Extroverts. Yeah, like 
me, like I've always been like that type, like everyone always says, you know, I talk to you and it feels like I've known you. It's like, I like giving that, that feeling off. I, I like for people to talk to me and, you know, that's what made me great at, at, you know, at sale, at selling stuff because I always felt like a personal connection with everybody. And being that I'm a very social person, caring that it's going digital, it kind of, it's not, I, it's not bad. It's obviously it's for safety reasons. And like you said, it, it kickstarted the, the online, you know, online for two years. That's awesome. You know, it works. The only thing is, it's just like for someone like that, I like to go and meet people and shake hands and make eye contact and talk to you and sit down and talk with people. It's kind of like, oh man, like that stinks, you know, like. Hey man, we did that a couple of days ago on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but nothing beats a good old fashioned handshake. I guess I'm old that way. <laughs> Yeah, but according to Microsoft, uh, according to this, Microsoft is planning to make all of its internal and external events digital only until July 2021 due to the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. The software makers had already believed uh, have already revealed uh, build 2020 due to be held in Seattle in May would transform into a digital event. The digital only focus is now extending to far more events over the next year. In light of the, ch- and this is what they said during an interview, in light of chal- uh, challenges presented by COVID-19, Microsoft. Wait, 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 John, before I forget, yeah. because this is actually a great point. I guess if you're arguing for them going digital as opposed to, you know, arguing against them going digital, mm-hmm. what you said is that they're able to reach more places because they're going digital. Yeah. So that's like a huge benefit as well, because... You know, getting things set up to go physically go to a place as opposed to doing it digitally is like a huge time saver. So can you imagine how many more people they're going to be able to reach by going digital? Yeah, like um, uh, as much as I am one of those one of those people that really want to meet in person and shake hands. So, I mean, I completely understand where they're going with this and I completely agree with what they're doing. Let's see. It says, in the light of the challenges presented by COVID-19, Microsoft has been closely monitoring the developing global situation and reassessing the overall company-wide in-person event strategy. Explains a recent email to Microsoft MVPs. As a company, Microsoft has made the decision to transition all external and internal events to a digital first experience through July 2021. This means Microsoft Ignite will be held as a digital event in September this year, and, Mocker, and Microsoft presence at uh, Computex 2020, 2020 will be optimistically rescheduled to September, and it won't involve an in-person event. It will also impact any plans Microsoft has for CES 2021 and companies build 2021 event. Build is typically held in April or May, which would mean next year's event will so also wait, be digital only. Go, go back really quick, John. You said there was an event that they're optimistically scheduling for September? Yes, uh, it would be Microsoft's presence at Computex 2020. I wonder whose words they were, man, because if, if you think about the phrase like, you know, oh, we're optimistically planning for September, it doesn't sound too good. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it makes it sound like whoever made that quote is not optimistic and that this COVID-19 is going to be over by September. Yeah. Yeah. Because according to this, it was uh, it was an it was a. a an, an email that was sent uh, to Microsoft MVPs. So this was somebody from the company that actually said that. 
Okay. Wow. Okay. It doesn't specifically say who. I guess maybe mainly to remain anonymous. Yeah, but it I mean, was sent from Microsoft to its MVPs. Coming from Microsoft, because if you know Bill Gates, uh, he's a, like a huge humanitarian. And Very. if anything, he's not going to push the issue. Like, you know, even if it's somewhat risky to hold, you know, a public event in person as opposed to doing one digitally. I don't think Bill Gates is the one that's going to play with humans, human lives, unlike other billionaires. Uh, but if not, you know, human lives right over profit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, because without human lives, then we can't we can't progress any further. Yeah, exactly. You know, as someone who has a lot to lose, I understand why the why now digital is is king as of now, and it's making bigger strides. It's kind of like a, I guess you can say like a forced evolution. Yeah. You know, we're we're forcing we're ha we're being forced to adapt to this because of of this serious virus that's going around, and it's good. And that I I can I get I am behind a hundred percent, you know, especially like um like E three this year it's going to be digital, and I completely understand that. Uh, hopefully, it'll all pass over soon. Until then, are we moving on to upcoming releases? Um, By all means, go ahead, man. Uh, upcoming releases, a release that I'm keeping track of that was recently announced this. Is Resident Evil 3 the board game? Resident Evil 3 the board game. Okay. Yes. The popular company, Steamforge Games, they're popular mm -hmm. from taking video games and making board games. They've already done uh, Resident Evil 2, uh, I believe Bloodborne, and now they're coming back with Resident Evil 3. Nice. It says, the article was posted on April 6th. It reads, Resident Evil 3 the board game is coming to, tick, uh, to Kickstarter. Tabletop games publisher Steamforge Game is once again working with Japanese video game giant Capcom on a brand new Resident Evil board game set to launch on April 28th on Kickstarter. Following the success of Resident Evil 2, the board game, Steamforge will now bring the 1999 PlayStation classic Resident Evil 3 to tabletop. Sorry, What's sorry, up? Michael. Which were the games that they made? Resident Evil, Bloodborne? Uh, Resident Evil 2, Bloodborne. You know what? Correction. They did not make Bloodborne. Okay. I'm seeing they made Resident Evil 2, Dark Souls, the board game, and Dark uh, Souls, the card game, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, the board game, and a couple of others. Uh, it says, based on the original video game, Resident Evil 3, the board game is a cooperative survival horror game for one to four players that can be experienced either through individual uh, one-shot scenarios, or as a 19-hour campaign with an overarching storyline. Taking control of iconic characters like Jill Valentine and Carlos Oliveira, players will attempt to escape Raccoon City in the midst of a T-virus outbreak. All the while, the city danger level will be on the rise, the number of undead monsters will increase, and every decision will be crucial. To survive, players must caref uh, carefully manage resources, Make intelligent and meaningful decisions and be wary of curveballs thrown by the tension deck. A mechanic carried over from the RE2 board game, which will surprise players with unexpected threats to replicate the terrifying suspense of the video game. Michael. Yes. Are you telling me that I can play as Carlos Olveda? Oh, you bet so. And you Valentine. I, I, I had to cut some of that word out. Oh my god. 
Are you telling oh me God. I can play <laughs> as Carlitos? You can play as Carlos. Oh, and this is the game that you put on our Facebook. Yes. I didn't. You know what, man? I'm, I'm going to say I'm guilty of this. I saw the post. I saw Jill and I'm like, ah, oh, it's just Jill. I mean, that, don't get me wrong. I love Jill. Don't get me wrong. I love Jill, man. How but dare she goes, you? Hey, I, let me finish, man. Let me, I love Jill, <laughs> but she doesn't hold the handle to Carlos, man. I'm sorry. It's the hair and the accent. It, it's the hair, dude, and the accent. It's, it's, <laughs> it's Carlos. Um, well, I mean, the way he sounds now, he sounds cool. Like, he sounds more slick. Like, I really do like that. But I kind of miss the old way. Like, uh, <laughs> I remember one of the cinematics from the PS1 version. He was like, I know, you want my number. I was like, what? <laughs> Dude, like, ba- it's because cool. back cool. then, you know, uh, back then, Latinos weren't as prominent as we are now. So they had to kind of go with a like stereotypical trope of a character that was Carlos. But they gave him justice. They made justice, man. To me, like when I played the demo, it was actually, I really liked the way they portrayed him. Like he actually did a very awesome job. Like he was really, <clears throat> he's more like, he actually sounds more suave, more slick without being the stereotypical, you know, guy like they portrayed with him in the night. Dripping 90s. with machismo and throwing toothpicks <laughs> at people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, I mean... You know, I, I, they did, they did do him justice in this one, and I can't believe like I missed it. I thought I know it's probably going to be available for purchase later, unless you pre-order the game to get his old, his old uniform and his old hair back. And I was like, oh, I missed it. <laughs> Look, but, man, yeah. uh, this is what I'm going to say. I last week I just finished playing The Last of Us, and that game was released what 2011 or was it 2013? It was last in uh, released in 2013. 2013. Okay, so The Last of Us was finished in 2013, and I just finished playing it last week, seven years ago. Man, this game was released seven years ago. So if you can't play Resident Evil the week that it comes out or the week after it comes out, John, don't worry, man. It's still gonna be a good game. Yeah. uh, Think about that, man. Like I, I don't know. It feels kind of like games are timeless, right? Yes. Yes, very true. I mean, obviously, Final Fantasy VII is a huge staple right now. Yeah, that, all that these remakes. So you got time, John. Don't worry about it. I'm hoping next week, next week. I'm <laughs> and this, going back to this board game, Michael. Yes. Why this game? Like, why did you pick this game for, the, for your upcoming release? What caught your attention? What caught my attention is that right now we're in a... We're in a Resident Evil, I guess you would say, what, fab? Is that the correct term? Yeah, sure. Oh, no, fad. Fad, yeah. Yes. Fab is fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, when I saw the announcement of this, uh, what also made me choose this is that I've been wanting to play Resident Evil 2, the board game, ever since I saw there was one. (laughs) And so when I saw that there's going to be a three, I'm like, oh, man, well, part two must have been a success to want a part three board game. Right. I really want to try part two. Gotcha. And you're hoping that it matches the feel of the video game? Yeah, it captures the feel. Or if anything, gives something different, but still just as great. Gotcha. That's what I love about board games, man. Like, I find it amazing that they're able to capture the essence of something. Like, really good board games can really capture the feel of something really well. Yeah. 
so the I actually couldn't decide between one or the other uh, which to talk about. So I went with both a tabletop game and a video game. Let me talk about the tabletop game first because since we're on the topic, uh, the game I chose is a game on Kickstarter called Sanctuary. If you have any experience playing Magic the Gathering or maybe a similar card game to Magic the Gathering and you don't want to get invested too much into Magic because I know Magic the Gathering can get expensive because it's a collectible card game where you have to get random packs to trade for the stuff that you want or flat out buy the cards that you want. And a lot of those cards can go for $20, $30 a piece and you need a set to play sometimes. Um, and you're looking for an alternative, something that's more stable, that isn't so fluctuating like Magic the Gathering, I recommend Sanctuary. If you go to Kickstarter and look up the game Sanctuary, the Keeper's Era, and we'll share this on our social media sites as well, so in case you want to check it out yourself and don't want to bother looking for the websites, we'll do the work for you, that's not a problem. Sanctuary the Keeper's Era is similar to Magic the Gathering in that it has factions. Magic has the five factions as far as last time I played a few years back. Sanctuary follows the same formula in that each faction is unique and does things that other factions might not be able to do. Um, if you go to the website and look up some of the factions, you're going to notice just off of the visual representation just how different these factions are. The point of Sanctuary is to try to keep your sanctuaries alive. Um, and the way you do that is you use the creatures that you summon to defend your sanctuaries uh, and also use them to attack your opponent's sanctuary so you take them out as soon as possible. Um, I mean... As a really big fan of card games, this game just stood out to me. Because like I said, it to me, it seems like a much more affordable version of Magic. Because you're going to notice if you ever pick up Magic, Magic can become very expensive very quickly. Whereas this, you make a one-time investment into a tabletop game. In this case, uh, it says £38. It's about $42. And you get everything that you need to play the game. Plus two play mats, the digital art book of the art of Mystia, and a digital art book of the art of Fulfireon. If I mispronounce that, I apologize. But you get the six decks. You get the two play mats. You get the digital art books. It's like... For $42, it's actually a very good deal. So if card games is something that you fancy and you're getting tired of Magic or you don't want to play Magic, play Sanctuary, the Keeper's Era. Um, highly recommended by me, a former Magic the Gathering player, uh, for you to play. The other game that I have for you is... Uh, Gears Tactics, and I'm actually going to need your input here, John and Michael, as well. Um, have you all seen the trailer to Gears Tactics? I have. Cool. Okay, so why would I, why would anyone want to play Gears Tactics instead of just regular old Gears of War? It's a different feel. For those who are like real-time strategy games... This is the same Gears of War, but just in that sense of real-time strategy, or you're still killing locusts, you're still chainsawing them. And, of course, for those who are 
love the Gears story, they could play it for the story itself. And have either of you played the, the original Gears of War? I am a gearhead, man. I played Gears of War since. Trust me. <laughs> I'm a gearhead. I played all the games. I read all the books. Like, I was just going to say, going forward, like, with, with what, like, uh, what I think people would derive from this, it's like, me, gearhead, I'd like to play it because of the story. Two, I... Not a not a huge fan of RTS games, but I do like them. And if this one's like set in the Gears universe, I have to give it a try. Because if I don't, then I don't feel like I like to hold my head high, saying like, "Yeah, I played everything. I played all the Gears games. I know." So this is another notch under my belt that I need to play. Um, but going with that, um, I know a lot of people don't like. Um, sometimes, like the the Gears of War games, can get a little bit overwhelming. Like uh, the fast pace, you know, like um, especially like PvP battles and stuff like that, it can get really fast, really overwhelming. And some people do. Like I remember me and uh, um, me and uh, Sabrina when it. I think when part four came out, I was able to course her into. Come on, let's try it. Let's let's try it. Please try it with me. And she finally said, after much please and bribe, I'll give you money. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just joking. But you know, after you know a lot of coursing her into it, she finally was like, "Fine, I'll, I'll give it a try." And probably within the first hour, she was like, "No, I can't do it. I can't do it." And I was like, "Why not?" And she's like, "It, it's too fast. It makes her, it makes her a little like motion sickness." So for someone who does like who you know, for someone who can't handle the speed of you know the gear like a Gears of War game. And want something a little bit more dialed, like not dialed down in terms of story or gameplay, but something that they can actually sit there and enjoy and play. Then definitely, this is the game that they should be playing, especially if it's an it's an introductory to Gears. It's cool, man, and I'm glad that uh, you know that's. I, I think that's what like uh, what I was talking about earlier, like how each of us are like very different. Whereas Gears of War never really appealed to me. Up until they released the trailer for this strategy game that Michael showed me, I, I want to make sure that, you know, that the perspective I have, that you all can see why I would like a strategy game as opposed to like the regular game where you just go out and shoot and try to kill everything as fast as possible. I don't know, man. I like to kind of drink a beer and play my game. <laughs> just well, kinda... that's why that's why they have helmets with the the with the straws in it man i can <laughs> i can be double fisting those while i'm playing gears more like Fuck. and you know i mentioned that from experience because more recently like this like when i saw it like i think michael you recommended this video to me because i wouldn't stop i wouldn't shut up about xcom too right yeah <laughs> and so like well, when you recommend maverick with xcom again <laughs> <laughs> And so when you recommended this game to me and I saw it, I'm like, huh, yeah, this could be a game I could get into. And I could totally picture myself just drinking a beer, playing this game. Because sometimes I think I need that break. Like, um, I just feel like those kind of games like Gears of War, like they just keep going and they don't give you any any sort of respite at all. Like, you just keep pushing you and pushing you. Gears of War is a really like in your face kind of. Yeah, it in your seems face that way. Kind of game, like. It's like shotgun blast to the face kind of game. Like, really, it's just like, are you ready? Boom, here you go. For those familiar with the storyline, you play as Gabe Diaz, who is Kate Diaz's father. And he looks like mildly, if I could say that, mildly young. 
So this must take place early within the Gears of War timeline, possibly even before one. I'm not too sure, though. Yes, yes, yes. Um, he was, I forgot what squad he was in, but it is, it was, it was during, it was during the Locust War. He did serve in the Pendulum Wars, but it, uh, he did serve on D-Day, which was, I mean, not D-Day, E-Day, Emergence Day. So he did, he was fighting. I don't know what squad, I don't remember what squad he was, but he was actually a really, he was a, a high ranking member of the, of the, of, uh, I think he was actually a squad leader. So he might've been a sergeant. Nice. So, yeah, it's a it's a prequel. So going forward from this, like me, I'm a hardcore, like I said, a hardcore Gears fan. Yeah, this that's the reason why I want to know. And looking at your photo here that you sent us, I can tell you're a hardcore fan. <laughs> <laughs> and dude, that thing's heavy. And that's because I didn't have the batteries loaded in it at the time, so it doesn't light up. But I think the thing uses like six. I think it uses six D batteries. So oh, when you add that in there just for it to light up, it weighs like like that thing right now probably weighs about a good seven pounds. Then add the batteries in. Yeah, man, they should totally go up on uh, one of our Instagram pages or one of the Twitter pages we have. By all means, <laughs> I don't mind it. Load it up, man. Hashtag Gears of War. <laughs> Hashtag gearhead. <laughs> gearhead. Yeah, there you go, man. See. Being and there. you wanna know what sold me on that game? Huh. Take a guess. Just one wild guess. The chainsaw. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like when I first saw the trailer, my buddy, a buddy of mine, he's like, Hey, check out when it was Gears of War when the 360 first came out. He's like, I was kind of, I bought it and I would I didn't know what to what game to buy first. And he's like, check out the trailer for Gears of War. So we went, we literally went to his apartment. He he brought it up on his computer. And then like he was showing me the gameplay. And he's like, just wait, just wait. And then it shows a guy, it shows Marcus getting his lancer and he's sawing through a grub while he's screaming. He's like, ah! and you see blood and everything. I was like, what was that? And he's like, it's a lancer. It's uh it's an assault rifle with a with a chainsaw bayonet on it. I was like, that's a chainsaw? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's it. So he drove me back to Walmart. <laughs> I bought it. I took it home. I play and like I actually call I will be honest, I did call him that night and I was just playing Gears of Day. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's when it started. <laughs> so we can't say that you're not a fan of the series. No. And I, I don't know, man. I'm I'm Maverick man. I'm really tempted. Whenever this lifts, I'm gonna bring my Xbox and I want you to sit down and we'll play Gears of War One. Like I have the remastered version of it and we will sit down and we will play it together. Hell yes, understand. man. I'm always up for streaming my failures, so definitely. <laughs> when I'm on your team, you're never a failure when it comes to Gears of War. If you're caught down, I'm I'm t- I'm popping heads and I'll get to you, so don't worry. <laughs> Um, next on the agenda is survival horror multiplayer games. Wait, do they have to be multiplayer games or just yeah, survival man. horror games? Uh, most of them are multiplayer. Ah, so it is survival horror slash multiplayer games. And uh, what games? 
we want from this uprising genre, specifically the survival horror genre. Um, we have a couple interesting ones. There are so many to choose from, but we had to narrow it down to one apiece, unfortunately. Why don't we start with the one that's reinvigorating my interest for the survival horror genre uh, between The Cabin in the Woods and The Thing. Hmm. Let's start with The Thing first. <laughs> all right. First of all, one of my one of my favorite horror movies. I love that movie. But I think like there's a lot of games that actually do like that do do this. Like uh, I, I think one of them, one of the games recently is GTFO. Like that is the name of the game. It's GTFO. And one person is the monster. But the thing is, the monster actually looks like everyone else. And that person is eliminating. Uh, you're, you're trying to figure out who's the monster. And you're strategically eliminating players. And then the, the either you figure, you figure out who it is and or you don't. And then you end up dying. Now, I think there is something that can be used, like that can be played more with that. And that's why I brought up the thing. Because for one, where it takes place, it's cold. You know, you have to worry about staying warm, conserving, uh, conserving resources. But at the same time, you have to worry about, okay, this thing can mask itself as anything. Who can we trust? And while you're having to, you know, keep with food, keep warm conserve ammunition for when the monster does come out you know and then not to mention that it does leave little things behind that can actually still kill you i think that is like a perfect premise for like a 1v6 or a 1v a 1v5 game and i think the potential is there especially being that it's a it's for one it's a great horror movie and two you know like you can do so much with it you can play you can use the weather you can use you know resource management all kinds of things and i think that would be like perfect survival horror multiplayer game yeah that would be awesome like can you give an example of a game that's similar to that like 1v the group uh you have friday the 13th um dead by daylight uh the last year there's quite a few there's those three and what the new predator hunting grounds coming out is going to be another one like it what was it? What was that game again, Michael? With the school? What was it called again? Oh, the last year. Yeah, like with the last year, Friday the Thirteenth, and uh, the Resident Evil Resistance game. You know, and uh, you know who the killer is. And what I would like to see if they would make one with the thing is that you don't know who the killer is. You know, there's a killer, but it's disguised as one of your fellow survivors. And the thing is, they can actually trick you. Like, oh, here, here's a gun. I found a gun here. Like, if we're playing. And I'm like, hey, Maverick, here's a here's a here's a gun. Take it. And I give you ammo for it. And then, you know, I'm like Michael's wandering off looking for stuff. I could wander off, follow Michael and I can kill Michael. Yeah. And we're opposed to, you know, like, you know, I'm kind of like like leading your suspicions away from me. Well, I don't think it, it could be John because John just gave me just gave me a gun and ammunition. You know, well, I don't see Michael. What if it's Michael? You know, and then you start, you know, trying to avoid Michael, even though he's dead. And then you start getting kind of it kind of plays off of your paranoia a little bit. Like, well, what if <clears> just it's, like the movie. It's this person? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't know really who it is. You just know that there is something out there killing you. And by the time that, you know, by the time you figure it out, either you're already dead or dying 
or I've already killed enough people off and you're like, okay, it is John. And then you start actively looking for me or you try to start escaping so I don't kill you. And you're trying to do what you can by setting up traps or, you know, luring me away with noisemakers and stuff like that to be like, oh, maybe he's over here. So it's one of those like really on the edge of your seat suspense games that I would love to see. I would really like to see that. And like the cabin in the woods, have you, I'm going to guess that both of you have seen the movie? Yes. Why did you pick this, Michael? Like why, why cabin in the woods? Well, this all started from Predator Hunting Grounds. After I saw the gameplay and stuff, it really sparked an idea where I was like, oh, wow, I could see where this is going. So when I chose the Cabin in the Woods, it made me think of like, okay, imagine a game lobby. Imagine five players. They all choose who they want to be as survivors. And not everyone is going to make it out as a survivor. You know, the server will take, will put them in the game. Someone won't be in the party. I say, don't give away uh, your online name and let them roam around the cabin where it's still like you're in the game lobby. And when they pick up an item, that's whenever it'll randomly generate a monster of who that fifth person is going to be, just as in the movie, where you don't get to select your monster or killer, the game selects it for you, where there's no favoritism of a monster. I like the randomness of it. And I I used to play Heroclix. It's chess with superheroes. Like, um... <laughs> The biggest factor in that game is sometimes comes down to the dice. So like you could have the best strategy in the world, but if those dice fail you, the game's not going to go your way regardless. So when you started talking about the cabin in the woods and like, you know, you can't pick the enemy that's coming at you and like uh, it's going to be completely random depending on the item that you pick up. I love things like that. I love random things being thrown into games because... It prevents games from being predictable, which means it adds to the replayability of the game, which is a good thing. Because sometimes, you know, when you feel like, hey, I spent 40, 50, 60 dollars on this game, like I want to be able to replay it. Right. Yeah. yeah. So with the, the premise that you're describing is is like perfect for replayability, like the replayability goes through the roof right there. I like it. It's mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a mystery all on its own. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, both of you brought really good video game ideas to the table here. That's awesome. The game I picked, or the I guess the series I picked, to go with this whole survival horror multiplayer genre, is the series from Alien slash Aliens with Sigourney Weaver featuring very uh, phallically symboled artwork by H.R. Geiger. And when I initially saw gameplay for Alien Isolation, I thought, huh, there's an interesting idea. You're pretty much replaying the movie Alien if you've never seen it. Maybe you've played the game Alien Isolation. Let me tell you, it's very similar in that the main character in the movie, spoiler alert, tries to avoid the alien as at all cost possible because the alien somehow managed to kill the entire crew. And I think Sigourney Weaver's character is smart enough to realize, uh, Ripley, I think is her name, is smart enough to realize that, hey, I'm not going to mess with this thing, man, because it killed the entire crew. What chance do I have to take this thing on? Now, what I want to see this applied to is I want to see this applied to VR. Because I had mentioned last podcast or the podcast before that I'm, I'm betting, and I'm not a betting man, but I am betting that VR 
within the next five years is going to make a sudden leap in the quality of games that it's being produced for the VR headsets. And I think this has to do part with the whole COVID-19 thing that we're going through right now. And that it's it's speeding up a lot of the stuff that uh, technologically we probably wouldn't be doing right now if it wasn't for this quarantining us. So I'm hoping that we see great leaps and bounds in the future for the Alien series. That would be that would be good. Yeah, especially in VR, man. I mean, as it was, Alien Isolation was just like I was just an anxiety attack the entire time. Yeah, and, and can you imagine with a VR headset? And it's it's nuts. It really is nuts. But what actually made it even more nuts was the fact that I had a connect. If your connect was on, which I didn't even know that it was a factor until it said after the alien had killed me, you have to be extra careful if you have your connect activated because the alien is attracted to sound. And I was like, oh my god, the connect has the mic in it and it's picking it up. <laughs> I, I was like hiding from. I threw a noisemaker, and the alien went after it. And I sneezed, and then all of a sudden I hear the alien just making a beeline toward me. Doom, 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 doom. And it looked under the desk where I was. I was like, what? And then it just killed me. I was like, oh, come on. And then I saw that. I was like, oh, that's what. <laughs> Which added a whole new a whole new element to the game. To the game. Just thinking about it, it kind of gives me anxiety. But I, I think that's actually a really cool idea. I like that. Like me, that I'm a huge alien Fan, although I do not, and we're gonna have words about this, Maverick. Oh man, don't even don't even tell me that predator. Why take do them. you hate predator? What's I don't hate name? predators. I don't hate predators, man. I don't. I just prefer aliens. I prefer predators. Now, why do you prefer <laughs> a primitive species to a technological advance? They're always uh, evolving. They're always evolving, and yet the predators can still defeat them. Uh, it's uh, what Hollywood says doesn't matter, John. Okay, this okay. I want to have a debate about this on an either on like a mini episode. Hell yes, like, dude. We could do a whole oh, Aliens versus my. Predators mini episode, man. Why not? You know what? We okay. Here's a good idea. Like, let's take the things that we like and compare the opposite and why we like it. Yeah, we should turn that into an episode. I like it, man. And uh, the only thing is, if we're going to do that, like we all need to keep an open mind and hear each other's opinions out because otherwise it won't work. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all it's all in front. It's all in front. This is just a friendly debate. Now, if it was like a relative or something like that, then it's going to go with the straight the punching each uncle. other. Because you, don't see why you don't agree with me. Oh, man. You know, why don't you like Iron Man? Why don't you like it? He's better than Batman. Boom and hit you. <laughs> no, like none it. of that. We're going to keep open minds and I think it's just it's just a friendly debate that we should have. I think it would make a really good episode and shed light to the opposing side. Like, how do I know like I don't know very much about xenomorphs. I know a lot about the algae, but I don't know a lot about xenomorphs. So you can actually I can bring things to light that you possibly didn't know about the algae and I can bring things and you can bring things to light that I didn't know about the xenomorphs where we can come to an understanding. I'm like, okay, I get why you like it. And yeah. I get why you like it. Yeah, of course. That's if that's the purpose, I'm all in, man. All yeah, in. Definitely. Um, on to our final topic. Uh free stuff as promised because of the whole COVID nineteen going on. 
We want you to stay self-isolated like we are doing and uh, try to help flatten the curve, help humanity out a little bit. So what we've been doing is a segment every week where we talk about the free stuff that's available for you to do online. I'll, I'll get mine out of the way because I actually posted about this on our social media, Instagram, and I think on Facebook as well. And a couple of Facebook groups as well because uh, I just started delving into Tabletopia. If you remember from uh, the past couple of podcasts, I have been touting that as Tabletopia.com has like over 800 free tabletop games that you can play. It's an open sandbox application, meaning that it doesn't enforce the rules. It means that you need to know the rules in order to be able to play the tabletop game, but it lets you play it freely online with friends so you can practice social distancing. And the game I picked was Batman. The animated series is on Tabletopia. As far as I know, I think this game is still on Kickstarter. So... When I, I, well, I mean, let me, let me correct this. Okay. So it just finishes Kickstarter not too long ago. So it really surprised me that I was able to find this game online. And that's why I decided to post a couple of pictures on it on our social media accounts because it looks like a very fun game to play. If you're uh, familiar with the Batman, the animated series, the one from the mid nineties, early nineties, I think it was mid nineties, uh, by Bruce Tim and company. You'll recognize the artwork immediately as soon as you lay your eyes on Batman the Animated Series tabletop game. Um, I mean, it looks as fun as the cartoon was. If you watched the cartoon in the early mid-90s or have seen it recently, regardless of how you saw it, um, you'll know that it was it was a good sorry, it was a good cartoon. It's and I've said it before and I continue to say it that this is probably what was the word I used? And I don't want to say pinnacle Batman, but like the Batman in everybody's mind. I think this is a good representation of the cartoon is what it looks like. I mean, like I said, Tabletopia.com has 800 free games, 800 plus free games. And Batman, the animated series is just one of the 800 games that it has. So check it out. Tabletopia.com. We'll go on with Michael or John, whoever's ready. Epic Games has been doing uh, a week uh, weekly releases. From now to April 16th at 10 a.m., you can play Close to the Sun. Uh, basically, uh, Close to the Sun, it takes place in 1897. So it is a, a, a first-person horror uh, adventure, and it's called Close to the Sun. Uh, it's available till the 16th. Sherlock Holmes, Crime and Punishment is also available uh, now to the 16th. Starting April 16th to April 23rd, you can play Just Cause 4, which is a huge open-world game that allows you to, you know, you're basically trying to jumpstart a revolution, and you can do all kinds of stuff in this huge open world. You can you can grapple hook to a plane and ride it and jump off and use your wingsuit to fly around, and it's, this, it's an awesome fast-paced game that you can play free. And then we have Wheels of... Alaria coming on April 16th, available to the 23rd. So Just Cause 4 and Wheels of Alaria are going to be next come out. And uh, that's with Epic Games. So you should just go to epicgames.com and just go to the store and look up uh, the, free, uh, the free weekly releases that they're doing. On the next one, this is available to members who have Twitch Prime. And uh, right now, I actually was able to sign up for Twitch Prime for 30 days free. And uh, you can actually get in-game loot 
for the uh, for some games like League of Legends. I got like League, League of Legends. I actually got my Doom Acorn skin from Twitch Prime, and I was able to get an operator costume for Rainbow Six Siege from Mo- uh, from Mozzie, where he has a pizza face, literally, and he has a pizza charm and a pizza assault rifle skin. But um, you also get free games, uh, free PC games with Twitch uh, with uh, Twitch Prime. And uh, for this month, and, and it ends on May 1st, all these will end May 1st, you have Earthlock, Kathy Rain, A Detective is Born, Etherborn, Lightmaster, and my personal favorite, Turok. And those will be available to, be, uh, to play all the way till May 1st. And... I have a free print-and-play demo, Tells from the Loop. It is a board game that arrives that has arrived on Kickstarter, and right now uh, you can play the demo of it. The article I found off a of Dicebreaker reads as, Board game adaption of the sci-fi tabletop RPG Tales from the Loop has arrived on Kickstarter with a free demo of the upcoming board game available to download now. Tales from the Loop, the board game, is based on Free League Publishing's 2017 role-playing game, which in turn was inspired by Simon Stollenhag's series of art books set in the alternate reality 1980 Sweden. Stollenhag's first two art books, Tales from the Loop and Thanks from the Flood, which was also brought to the tabletop as an RPG, were recently turned into an Amazon Prime video series. The Stranger Things-likes premises of the world centers around the titular titular loop a secretive underground particle collider in the countryside that results in otherworldly side effects from futuristic robots to dinosaurs this looks like a really cool board game and i'm also interested in the amazon series but you can download the demo of it and i believe i've put the link to the demo on our facebook page already and it's a free print and play yes but just the demo the actual game itself won't arrive out until next spring. Giving you some time to get familiar with it, give yourself the edge against other people who are who didn't play it. So yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, that helps too. Like you know, if you have a gaming group and you do the free print and play stuff, like even if it's a demo, especially if it's a demo. Um, so by the time you get your actual physical copy of the official game in later, you at least have somewhat of an understanding on how the game plays. So that way, you know, you can keep your gaming group entertained and hopefully continue, maybe have them invest into their own tabletop games so that way they can pitch in and host their own tabletop nights as well. Yeah. Free is always good. Most definitely. (laughs) Especially in these trying times. And so for the foreseeable future, the free stuff or free games to play is going to be a uh, constant in our podcast so don't worry about that and we'll keep trying our best to keep that posted on our social media facebook twitter and instagram at dts underscore gaming crew or dts gaming crew you can also search us online at dropthespotlight.com. you'll see our gaming reviews there press releases there as well oh youtube mm-hmm. uh, don't forget to check out our youtube videos hopefully we'll start getting those out um sooner rather than later but there are a few dts gaming crew videos available on youtube at drop the spotlight uh youtube right that's where the, that's where you can find them you just search drop the spotlight and you'll find us under the playlist dts gaming crew does anyone else have anything to add no no we're just stay safe and stay healthy
Yeah. Um, again, I'm Michael joined with Maverick and John. See you later, guys. Bye. And and we want to thank you. Uh, we want to thank everyone for listening and be sure to tune in next time if you enjoyed the show. Also, be sure to follow and like our social media pages so you can be the first to know when an episode goes up. Until then, get those D20 rolls, keep leveling up, and as always, play forever and game together. Bye, everyone. See you later. And we are the DTS Gaming Crew. We'll see you next time. <laughs>